it started when I was about six years old and I was laying on our front lawn. It had just been freshly mowed. And I had this, uh, this transcendent experience where I was no more. And I was one with the light and the clouds. And I thought I had died and I didn't understand it at that early age, but I was filled with such energy that I had to grasp the grass to, to anchor myself. And I hid it away. Um, but something had happened to me. And so that, that, sent me on a quest. You're listening to the One Power Podcast. I'm Rick Busby. And I'm Tammy Lorraine. And together we are transforming lives, one conversation, one episode at a time. Welcome, and thank you for listening to the One Power Podcast. In this episode, Tammy and I are going to be sharing some reflections on a conversation she and I recently had with Dr. Roger Teal, author of the book, This Life is Joy, and the now retired senior minister at Mile High Church in Denver, Colorado. We are going to be hearing some of Dr. Teal's reflections on his own journey through a life guided by a deep personal commitment to answering the call to service. We will hear him tell his story beginning at the tender age of six when he experienced a profound and transcendent moment in time that transformed everything in his life that followed. As Dr. Teal's story unfolds, we will begin to see the intersections between answering his own personal call to service and the mythical qualities of the hero's journey. But before we get to that, I want to bring Tammy into this conversation Tammy, this theme of answering the call is one of the four major recurring themes we will be visiting this year in the One Power podcast. And I know this particular one was personally important to you. So I have a question for you to sort of kick off this inaugural Answering the Call episode. What is it about answering the call that you felt so connected to and motivated you to advocate for its inclusion is one of the story types we create this year on the One Power Podcast. Yeah, the answering the call tentpole is near and dear to my heart because it speaks to our existence being bigger than the doingness that it's so easy to get caught up in. And it it creates a trajectory for our lives when we're willing to to listen. And I think it, that that source, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, is always nudging us, is always planting those seeds, right? That answering the call to me is finding the acorn that you were born specifically to be and how to nurture that so that you can grow into a mighty oak tree. So I'm super excited to hear from Dr. Teal and what he has to say about the sort of macro level look at answering the call, specifically as a hero's journey, which I think we all are heroes and heroines. So that's exciting. Yes, it is exciting, Tammy. And indeed, we are all born to be mighty oaks of creative potential. It really is the purpose of our lives, I believe, to learn to listen more deeply to what is calling us forward. And this, of course, resonates with Unity's fourth principle that we connect with our own indwelling Christ presence by taking time in silent meditation. That's where we learn to connect with that inner voice, connect with that inner guidance. And this is one of Unity's founding principles. But as Dr. Teal points out, 
it's often not easy to discern exactly what it is we are being called to do. He says the message rarely comes through in clear, unequivocal terms, that it's more an inner motivation that is driving us forward, often blindly, and and much of the time we are not clear where we are heading. And along that journey, there are moments of fear and self-doubt as we experience the ongoing tension between our resistance and our surrender. I like that Dr. Teal reminds us that the hero's journey can often be messy, and it is common that in the pursuit of answering the call to something, anything, that we can get ourselves out of balance. And if that balance is not restored, our heroic selves can burn out. But hopefully as we mature in our answering the call journey, we hopefully learn to more deeply trust that inner divine guidance, much more so than relying solely on our own humanity with our limited perceptions. He says you you invest a lot. You know, like you end up often, he says, it ends up taking you down a new path. And he's like, and you end up investing so much, you've, you've given up so much that you start to think that you have to make it work. And in that, you forget that it's a partnership. And he says, you subtly, we are no longer believing that the source is sourcing us. So that was another like, oh, that's a great quote right there. Yeah, I love that quote too, Tammy. One of many quotable moments actually from Dr. Teal in this episode. So I say, let's just uh, get to it. So what follows are some of the best moments from our interview with Dr. Teal, along with some of our own reflections on that conversation. So once again, we thank you for taking the time to listen to the One Power Podcast, and we invite you to settle in for this transformative conversation with Dr. Roger Teal, exploring what it means to answer the call. We'll be right back after this brief musical break. within it a quest be an initiation that starts it but it's not always just the full message the full realization the next step is totally revealed and clear to us often the call begins with an initiatory experience and then we go on a quest whether it's one we fully understand at the time or one that life moves us into but what i have experienced about the call the call to one's authentic life, one's authentic service, one's authentic creativity, is that it's a call that will not let us go. Even when we uh, resist it or don't fully understand it, uh, it will not let us go. It all started for me, as I wrote in my book, this life is joy. It started when I was about six years old and I was laying on our front lawn. It had just been freshly mowed. And I had this, uh, this transcendent experience where I was no more. And I was one with the light and the clouds. And I thought I had died and I didn't understand it at that early age, but I was filled with such energy that I had to grasp the grass to, to anchor myself. And I hid it away. Um, But something had happened to me. And um, it was then that I began to ask my parents if I could go to church. And they, they weren't churchgoers at the time. And 
They said, yeah, there's a bunch of them in the nearby neighborhood. Go ahead, walk to any of them. And I, and I did that for a while. And I, I got involved in some of the churches. And, and I think what I liked most was just an energy of spirit, though I didn't understand what had happened to me. I didn't even understand what they're talking about. But the, the more I grew up and could start thinking for myself in my teens, I began to realize that what I was hearing there um, didn't, um, didn't align with what seemed to have been downloaded into me. And so that, that sent me on a quest to understand more fully, um, what was this something that I couldn't quite voice, but was not in alignment with some of the traditional theologies I was encountering. If I could see you, I could reach you. If I reach you, what if I fall? Would you forgive me? For eternity, would you give me wings to break my fall? Like a And, you know, along the line of our quest, we get hints uh, and we get clues about uh, the direction to take. And it's often when our heart ignites. So those who are searching to understand their call need to understand it begins with an initiation, usually, then the quest. And usually some of the great greatest uh, signposts on the quest are when our heart fires up, when something within us knows and knows that it knows. And, and, and it's not an intellectual thing, by and large. It's a it's a, a, a heartfelt um, knowing. Um, it's more about love than, than understanding you know, intellectually. And that there's a greatness within our call that will justify itself if we stay true to it. Like like There'll be detractors along the way of a call. And that's where we have to return to our passion and we return to our hearts. And we have to take leaps of faith, leaps of trust on any journey of a call and uh, understand that the call has its own way, its own means. We've got to go forward, not fully understanding and certainly not demanding guarantees. And I think that there are, there are doubts and dark nights on the path of a calling, a soul calling. In some respects, a soul calling is a hero, the hero's journey. And uh, there are times when we doubt ourselves and we forget what it's really all about. We get into thinking the way the world thinks rather than um, following the deep guidance and the authenticity of our hearts. To honor a call, you've got to also understand that it's an evolutionary process. And, and you've got to stay true to it and you can't let the outer voices dim your heart. But also, you've got to understand that a call is our, our way of becoming more, of fulfilling and manifesting more of our, our soul 
of more of our inherent greatness. And um, we have to practice a lot of self-compassion along the way of a call. And uh, again, it always seems to come back to honoring the heart. Eventually, it will take us where it needs to go. Eventually, it will grow us into what we need to become. And that, by the way, is never ending. is could get expressed through a profession and our calling is greater than whatever that path or the paths we choose is and i know that for some their calling takes many paths sometimes those channels serve for a while and then something within says all oh, right this has become too limiting for your call or this is finished You've completed this way of expressing the call, but the call isn't done, that it's really God at work in us. It is really uh, us co-operating with the perfect pattern within, with the divine design or what Gene Houston has called the God seed within us. So it's wonderful to claim your calling, but you can't ask to know in advance how it's going to turn out. You can't ask for guarantees. You cannot ask for a very explicit, clear roadmap, every which way I need to go all along the way. You can't ask for any of that. You can't ask for anything that your fear wants answered. Um, the call is greater than that. And you, in a way, uh, a phrase I like is you have to do it afraid. You have to seize upon the call and you have to go forward, even though the fearful ego is saying, yeah, but you don't know this and you don't know that. And what if this doesn't work? What if that doesn't work? And what if they fall flat in your face? And what if they don't approve? And all of the yeah, buts that come up, which are all just the voices of fear. To, to really be on the path of one's call is to befriend fear because you can't really be... Um, true to a calling and committed to it without it understanding it's a trust walk and um, fear will accompany you pretty much nonstop. I think anytime we reach the edge of what we know and we dream bigger, fear shows up and fear isn't a bad thing. It's not a spiritual failure. Fear is a natural uh, sign. Actually, it's a sign that we're um, not um, staying safe and comfortable all the time but that we're extending ourselves. We're, we're courageous enough to uh, follow the path. And, and I think a big myth is that courageous people don't know fear. That's ridiculous. They do know fear. They just go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, you have to keep going for it and, and be in a constant discovery process along the call. But if you stay true to the call, which lives in your heart, which is an extension of the breath of God within you, then then one way or another, it all unfolds. Uh, and sometimes it's a surprise.
Welcome back to the One Power Podcast. That concludes the first segment of this episode with Dr. Roger Teal on answering the call. We're going to hear more about uh, answering the call, following the quest, the hero's journey, in the final segment of the show today. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, we thought that it would be a good point for us to pause for just a little bit and reflect on some of what Dr. Teal shared with us in that first segment. There's actually quite a lot to unpack. There were several quotable moments that I resonated with in hearing him tell that tale, but uh, probably the main idea that struck me, Tammy, was this focus on the heart, the heart center, this heart-centric mission. And that if we can stay connected to that heart-centered motivation, that heart-centered impulse that is moving our life forward, if we'll stay true to that and follow it, that the call will justify itself if we can just stay true to it over time. I think there's a distinction between callings and commitments, you know, and it's like his calling was always just to serve God. Yes, and in following that call to serve God, he points out that it takes um, oftentimes great leaps of faith and trust. And he'll talk about in the, the segment that's coming up here in just a moment, he also talks about our need to make a companion of fear, because if we're going to be engaged in a call over the course of time, fear is going to be a pretty much a constant companion with us. And so it's in our best interest to get comfortable with the presence of fear. It's funny. What I heard was, if you think there's any other dragon to slay besides the ego, that's just the ego talking. (laughs) And I just thought that's kind of fun. Yes. And he reminds us that we, uh, we have to learn to do it afraid. Like, feel the fear and do it anyway. We've heard that quote before in several contexts over the course of our life, but it's, it's true. It's, it, it has that extra uh, weight in our, in our process because it happens to be true, that we have to feel the fear and do it anyway. In that conversation, he talks about how oftentimes the call has wounds built into it, which I just, I had never really thought about it that way, right? We always think that the wounds are coming from the ego trying to keep me from living my call. But um, to actually think that the wounds are an essential part of fulfilling the call, which of course goes back to unity's first principle, right? There's only one power. So of course, it's spirit, source, God using the experience for our greatest good. Yes, and he reminds us also that answering the call is an evolutionary process. And he advises us to be guided more by love than our intellectual understanding. That that answering the call is our way of becoming more of our soul's calling, uh, revealing, demonstrating, expressing more of our inherent greatness. And I love that he reminds us that the call will not let us go. It is insistent over the course of our lifetime. And it may call us in a lot of different ways to express ourselves, but that following the call requires us to practice self-compassion, that we must continue to honor our heart 
And if we do so, that eventually it grows us into what we are to become, which, as he points out, is a never-ending process. Especially in a world today where it's like everything is so full. There's so much that we can pull from that, um, that to, to make incremental progress is, is massive. It's huge. I think in New Thought, there's this idea that fear is such a lower vibrational frequency that we need to be in places where we aren't in that vibration. And he brings a fresh perspective that it's it's just a traveling companion. Where fear becomes this lower vibrational frequency that affects us is when we resist it, right? He talks about it being a trust walk, that um, that because it's a trust walk, that means you are going to be uncomfortable. That's a great reminder, Tammy, and it's also a perfect segue into this next segment here on this episode of the One Power Podcast, in which Dr. Teal relates a story of an experience he had as a nine-year-old boy confronting his fear of the high diving board at his local community pool. Yeah, in fact, Dr. Teal tells this beautiful, poignant story of how he faces his fear and, um, and in it finds the thrill of life. And we'll be right back with that story right after this brief musical break. Stay tuned with us here on the One Power Podcast. I remember... uh, Early in my life, around eight or nine, most summers I would go to a day camp every day. They'd pick me up, take me home in the evening. In the middle of the day, all of the groups came together at a YMCA. It was swimming time. And I remember that all of the nine-year-olds or 10-year-olds, they had started going off the high dive. And I thought, I'm never going to do that because I don't want to die this young. Um. I had gone off the low dive and I thought that was pretty damn good, but they were going off the high dive. And so I started, I started volunteering to help with the little kids. And at times they'd say, Hey, go off the high dive. And I'd say, I don't feel good today. And I, but finally I'd exhausted every diversion and excuse I could think of. And um, I thought to myself, I'm going off the high dive tomorrow. And, um, so, you know, I cleaned up my room that night because I was pretty sure I was going to die. And um, I uh, was extra nice to my mom and dad and told them I loved them when I left. And then I waited till swim time was over and everybody had gone into the locker room to get back into their clothes out of their swimming trunks. And I started climbing up that thing and I was just trembling and I'd make it about halfway up the ladder and go back down. And then I'd try again and get a little further up come back down but finally I went up to the top and and it looked like I was on the top of the Empire State Building I was sure I was and um, I, I tried to stand up and walk to the edge of the board but it wobbled and I thought, oh, this is crazy so I sat down there and I scooted myself I was sitting uh, straddling it and scooting myself but they had there was this this grit 
on there. So at the same time I was scooting myself, I was scratching myself as I was. <laughs> and finally I got to the end of the thing and it was, and I, I managed to hold on to the end and stand up, but I was, so I was on my feet, but I was still holding on to the end. I'm sort of bent over. And then I let go and stood up and, and then I fell. And then there were arms and legs and screaming and yelling all over the place. And in the air though, I felt this, woo, this is amazing. All of a sudden the thrill factor came in. And even though I landed flat on my stomach, and it hurt, and I sank into the bottom of that pool, and I underwater was just yelling with delight. And I came up, and I couldn't wait to get into that locker room and tell everybody I had jumped off the diving board. And um, you know, we all have our diving boards, and and fear can have us run away and make excuses and diversions of every kind, and. We can milk them as long as we can, but eventually we know we got to do it. But what helps me now is what I learned then is that in the fear is also the thrill of, of doing it, of, of going to the edge. As Apollinaire said, come to the edge. We're afraid. He said, come to the edge, he said. And they said, we're afraid. And he said, come to the edge. We came. He pushed us and we flew. And there's something about being firmly in midair and experiencing the thrill. So fear will be there, but the joys and the thrills will be there too. I've got so many stories like that of times where I went ahead and did what was petrifying me, even during the ministry. And when it was over, I, I, I felt expansive and I had expanded. I think I had actually grown through that, but there's so many temptations to just toss it in and stay comfortable. I love this story, Tammy. It's, uh, it's so archetype, boys of summer kind of story. Uh, I find myself relating to that story so much. I think about when I was eight or nine, summers were just a golden time. Uh, baseball was a big part of my life at that point in time, but we also had those community swimming pools. And so him telling that story of the community swimming pool and how he faced uh what was a big fear for an eight or nine-year-old boy at that point in time and how he faced it like a warrior, like a hero, in a solitary way. He chose his time and he faced it in his way and he was the only one present to witness, to be witness to uh, him overcoming that fear and that exhilaration that he, that he felt of overcoming that, even though it was for all intents and purposes, it was comical. Uh, if you're just looking at it from an objective standpoint, uh, he's got an inner reality going on. And if someone was just watching it with no commentary, uh, it would have to be uh, hilarious watching him belly flop into the water. But he came up exhilarated and forever changed. You're listening to the One Power Podcast. Stay tuned for more of our Answering the Call episode with Dr. Roger Teal. 
right after this musical break. In this next segment of the One Power Podcast, Dr. Teal shares some reflections from a lifetime of answering the call to ministerial service and also gives us a look into how he continues to answer the call as he recreates himself in his rewirement years. My heart was in love with God from the beginning. My calling was about discovering that my sole purpose on this planet this lifetime, this time around, uh, is heart-centered living. And yet, my heart in terms of living on this planet and relationships wasn't fully open. And so one of the initiations on my path uh, was uh, certain wounds that I write about in that book that led me to a necessary transformation if I was going to continue to have this calling unfold well for me. And that was to um, find that the real meaning of the the betrayal that I experienced and the wound I had was um, actually a godsend. It was a blessing. It was a gift to um, understand that it's now time to open my heart fully uh, and, and to not just love God, but be the love of God. Like thought, well, maybe, maybe I want to be a psychologist. So I went to the University of Denver and completed a major in psychology. But then I uh, just had an epiphany. I realized I, I don't love psychology. I can't find the soul in psychology. It's not, it's good. And I could go on and get a master's and such, but uh, it, it's not my thing. And I thought, well, maybe I want to be a minister. And yet I thought, you know, I heard from other voices around me, that's a dying career. You never make any money as a minister, you know. Um, so I went to my mentor, uh, Dr. Fred Vogt, uh, who had, had nurtured my spirituality in my life church. Uh, and he said, well, I know a lot of the religion professors there at DU, and they've got a great department. Why don't you try some of that? And I did, and I loved it. wasn't always sure I'd succeed as a minister. I started in at the ripe old age of 24. <laughs> and I thought, what, is, what, what does a 24-year-old have to say to anybody out there? You know, what have I learned in my life experience that would make me good for anybody out there? And so there were times, especially in that first three years when I was minister of a very small group, that I doubted whether I had what it took. Um, and yet to my shock, the church grew. And, I, and those poor people had to listen, listen to some of the worst sermons God ever allowed to be given. But, you know, the one thing that they, I guess, really got is that I was sincere and that I loved them and that I loved the teaching. I never planned to go from my first ministry, Portland, Oregon, back to Mount High to be an associate minister for 10 years. Dr. Fred Vogt gave me a call and said, I need a great associate. You've got your feet wet there. And I'd fully understand you've done a great job up there in these three years if you've got a good thing going. But I, I think we'd work great together. And I've always loved you. And I'd love to have you work with me. And I, and I knew in that moment that this would be the right next avenue for that 
call to unfold itself. And so I worked with him for 10 years. And then I felt the nudge of spirit that being an associate minister there was done and that nobody was driving me away, but it would be best if I, if I went away, which was a very difficult decision. And uh, when I was out there working in, at this desk job in the middle of LA, commuting an hour and 15 minutes each way and uh, missing mile high, I, I, I thought, you stupid idiot, you screwed up so royally. You, you just left one of the greatest New Thought churches around. Now here you are in California behind a desk working with ministers and educational programs. And it's all important, but I hated it. You know, sometimes along the way of a call, there is not only the initial initiation, but then there's other passages. I, I was gone for four years. And uh, after one year working at headquarters, um, a dear friend of mine I'd gone to school with and ministerial school with, uh, Dr. Peggy Bassett, who had grown a very large church in our movement in Huntington Beach, had had a diagnosis. She'd been having some physical challenges. And she called me and she said, I know you know big church and I need help. Would you be an associate minister with me? At one level, I thought anything to get out of headquarters here. But at the other level, I thought, you know, that would be good. So I went down there. And for a year was her associate minister. After a year, she came to me and she said, Raj, I can't do it physically. I'm going to retire. And I really want you to take this ministry and keep it going. A lot of people resented me initially, even though I'd been there a year as an associate. And there was also a lot of grieving going on in the church. People were heart sick that Peggy had left them. Some were angry. It was really hard. And it was really beneficial. And you can never discount the fact that what sometimes looks like a defeat is actually preparative. It's actually evolutionary. After a year of that, all of a sudden the church began to grow again. I thought, okay. I said, Erica, we can buy a house down here because I think we can get the kids through high school. This is working now. We've gotten through our dark night. And so we bought a house and about six months later, Fred called again. And he said, uh, Raj, I need help retiring. And I've always wanted you to have Mile High Church. And uh, I think they want you too. And I know you've been gone a while. And I know you've grown. And if you're so guided, I'd, I'd love to have you come back. Help me retire. Uh, oh, good Lord. The guy that we had on one of our conferences that I adored, David Stendel Rast. He says that another name for God is surprise. I prayed about it and uh, I pretty much instantly knew. And I was really called to be back in, in Denver. So then I went back and um, Fred retired after three months. And it was onward and upward for 25 years serving that. Sometimes along the line of a call, people make huge changes. And then they give up a lot and they invest a lot in the next whatever it is, such that they think, I've got to make this work. What's happened is rather than I'm cooperating with something that's guiding me and I do my part and it does its part and we're in partnership, we're co-creating this. We, that's gone and we're into this. I've got to make this happen. And subtly, we're not believing that the source is sourcing us. For me, it was a realization that I was burning out when I was um, off balance to the side of, of personal forcing. I was trying to make it happen in that I wasn't trusting that it would continue to unfold 
if I didn't work 80 or 90 hours a week, it would still grow. I wasn't trusting that. And so I would overdo. Um, and a part of it was I enjoy, I enjoyed it. But there was a, there was a line at which uh, I was way overdoing it. Um, and, but that was out of fear. It was a, sometimes it was fear that if I didn't overdo it or if I didn't give it the nth degree, it wouldn't turn out. And by the way, I am a recovering perfectionist, have been for um, all my years. So um, <laughs> there are many times when I had to take stock in, hey, who's in charge here? Do you think you are or is God in charge here? This is God's church and you're one instrument of it, but you're not the only thing. And uh, you do your thing and you provide leadership and direction and inspiration. And you got to trust that uh, there's other ways, means by which the divine will grow this thing. Along the way, the voice of spirit, you want to say, would you shut up? I finally got this thing working and I'm comfortable. And, and um, it showed up as this obnoxious guidance within me that said, your soul path needs a change. You're doing it well, and you could do it until you die. But that's not a part of your path here. And uh, the call is now for you to let go. And if the sky exploded and rained love all around me, I would take wing to bring the news to everyone I see. And I would fly around the world, shower love and peace. Then I'd turn for home again. And so now it said, what's the next evolution? What are the next dimensions of this call? Having retired after 43 years in the pulpit ministry, that didn't mean that I was done with my calling. Uh, as you may know, I don't call it my retirement. It was my rewirement. If somebody had told me back at age 24 about this journey, I'd have said, you're crazy. Or I'm not up to it. But we just got to keep saying yes and we got to keep staying true to our hearts and keep knowing that eventually we'll hit the mother load, you know. And I think the call is not only about what we do, as I have said before here. The call is what we are becoming. the One Power Podcast. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Rick Busby. I'm Tammy Lorraine. And we are going to dive into what resonated with us with regards to Dr. Teal's interview. Rick, what spoke out to you the most? You know, Tammy, I go all the way back to the beginning of this story, and I think about that transformative 
experience he had at the age of six where he had an experience of his oneness, his unity with God, with the universe. And I think about how transformative that was for him at that young age. I personally don't recall having one that young. I've had some mystical experiences, but I kind of envy him a little bit at having one that young and having it transform his life so profoundly from that moment moving forward. I've had a few mystical experiences of my own that really have dropped me into that sort of unitive experience that I'm greater than this body or even these thoughts or this label that I call Tammy. And so hearing that, just every time I listen to anyone talk about that, it drops me back into an awareness of God that reminds me of my own call. You know, Dr. Teal reminds us in many, many ways that there are many, many paths to following a call, that it's not just in ministerial service, which is his story, but that we can be called through a profession, any number of ways through a profession. But he reminds us that the path that we're taking is not as important as following the deeper call. Some callings, he says, may take many paths, in fact. But there is still one central call that is moving our lives forward. And I also like that he pointed out that the call is never done with us. It's really going to last for the balance of our life, whatever that is. And it's going to be pulling us forward. And that it's evidence of God at work in us. And that when we can align with that call, then we are truly, as he said, cooperating with the God seed within us. Specifically, when he talks about burnout, and um, you know, for anyone who works in ministry, um, you know, there's a joke that actually the place that you're least likely to find God is in a church because of the people who are working so hard forget to take the moment to center in and find God in all that they're doing. And um, and so he talks about how you can be so in the work of what you're called to do that you start to forget. It's like you fall asleep and you think that it's you doing it and you forget to rely on something bigger than you and to be in partnership. Like that partnership piece, if there was any other takeaway, that's the takeaway for me is to be in partnership with God. Yes, and even though we are in partnership with the master co-creator and that our progress is assured Dr. Teal reminds us that we cannot ask for guarantees or even a clear roadmap of where our call is leading us to. In fact, he says, I love the way he says this, we can't ask for anything that our fear wants answered, that we have to be willing to do it afraid to be in this constant discovery process of letting our life reveal itself and staying true to our heart as it all unfolds. And I love this this part later on where they bring up this idea of God as surprise, that we have to be willing to be surprised. And I think that's one of the great ways that God shows his grace in our lives is by surprising us from time to time with something greater than we would ask for for ourselves. Another name for God is surprise. I just love that. I think that's so great. I think it's one of the key features of God's grace working out in our lives that we 
don't know in advance what the future holds. That way we are able to continue to be surprised at what life brings forth for us. And I think as Dr. Teal reminds us all, it's always about returning to the heart, trusting in the heart and allowing that heart-centered living to guide us into our next right and perfect path. He's committed his life to heart-centered living, which is why I think I have such an affinity and an appreciation for him. Because that level of love is scary, and it requires you to be vulnerable, and it requires you to know who you are at a level that's massive. And loving that way means you have to be willing to be that big, to feel love, to allow God's love to flow through you. It requires you to be huge. Huge indeed, Tammy. And I think that makes for a perfect opportunity for us to bring this episode of the One Power Podcast to its end. But we will be returning to this theme of answering the call again and again here on the One Power Podcast because it is a huge topic and there are so many inspiring stories to tell. We'll be right back with our final thoughts right after this quick preview of the next episode of the One Power Podcast. Stay with us. All problems and all suffering in the world are the result of separation. And that ultimately, when you are one with the truth, uh, one with your higher self, one with all that is, uh, that is one with, then you're really living true reality. You've now freed yourself up and uh, life becomes actually bliss. The truth is we can get to a place where what is natural is causeless love and causeless joy. On the next episode of the One Power Podcast, we welcome Howard Caesar, author of the book One Plus One is One, in a going deeper session where we explore the most important teaching. On the next episode of One Power. That about does it for this episode of One Power. We'd like to thank our special guest, Dr. Roger Teal, for sharing his time, experience, and most of all, his deep commitment to heart-centered living, which I have to say is probably my big takeaway from this particular experience with him. Tammy, any final thoughts on your time with Dr. Teal that will continue to resonate with you? I resonate so much with his perfectionism that he's had to recover from and from that sort of blocking the flow of love. It's a great reminder, Tammy, that we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be willing to keep choosing love. And speaking of love, we want to send out our love to Matt Russell for the One Power Podcast theme music, and also to Kiana Shantice and Shannon Hamilton for their continued support of the One Power Podcast with their graphic design, website, and digital marketing services. Also, if you're interested, the song Like a Dove that was used in this episode comes from my album, Strawberry Moon, which is available on Private Angel Records. And you can find that on all the digital music platforms, and it can also be purchased through my website at rickbusby.com. On behalf of myself and Tammy Lorraine, we wish you a blessed day wherever you are and look forward to being with you again on the next episode of One Power.
One Power Podcast is produced with the support of Unity Church of the Hills in Austin, Texas, a spiritual community of love and acceptance where lives are transformed. For more information on the One Power Podcast, please visit our website, onepowerpodcast.com. Thank you again for joining us here on One Power. We hope you return next week as we continue this amazing journey together of transforming lives, one conversation, one episode at a time. Peace.